Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are the Bride Radio is the voice of the true Bride of Christ. TV radio seeks to inform and engage the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom. We recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers of the air. We are a ministry of prayer, and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe. We provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATB Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. I pray everyone's doing well. Today we're going to move forward in our Bam In Your Face Devil Bible Study. And we are going forth in 2 Chronicles. And we are now on chapter 6. Boy, yesterday Bribe was so good in 2 Chronicles. I'm very excited about going into chapter 6. Because remember we learned about Solomon. We learned about David. Solomon was the one that was allotted to build the temple, right? David wanted to build the temple, but because of his partnership with sin, he could not build the temple. But because David loved the idea of having a temple so much, he made things for the temple. So Solomon, in his young generation, he honors the proper order before God on building this temple. So he gave honor to his father. He gave honor to God and asked God, okay, how do you want me to do this? And God gave him the blueprint. He didn't just do away with the old order, which is what I was trying to tell you, because we're comparing. The Lord is showing us his heart. The Lord is showing us his um, order, his proper heart and order towards things. God doesn't do away with the old order just like the New Apostolic Reformation is doing. God wants us to honor His Word. 
and not just come up with all this mystical stuff. Even Solomon asked God for wisdom, how to do this and still honor the old order. So let's continue here. If you'll turn in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So let's pray, Brad. Lord, we thank you so much for this honor to dig in your word, which is the truth of today and the truth of back then. Lord, continue to take us back in time and to allow us to feel what they feel and experience what they experience to learn for our generation and to learn for our country and to learn for our peoples today. Show us how this is relevant to what we're going through today, Lord. Thank you for what you showed us yesterday about Solomon and David. And we thank you and give you praise. Holy Spirit, have your way over this Bible study. Thank you for being so beautiful today and painting us such a beautiful sky. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all should see it here. I'm telling you, of course, up here in the north, it's very flat. And so, I mean, to me, the skies are a lot bigger. So he's just really, really, really beautiful this morning. Okay, so let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 6. And look, Bright, I got this in the mail yesterday. This is a beautiful Bible cover for my Bible. I haven't had a Bible cover in a long time. So I'm excited about taking this to church with me and having my Bible in there. And then I got some uh, highlighters and stuff here. So I, I love spending time in the Word and I love making notes in here. You know why, Brian? I, I think when we make notes about revelations that God gives us now, when we go back in a few years and we look, wow, I mean, like we can build precept upon precept off the last revelation. So yes, we need to document. We need to write the revelations down in our Bible. That's why I like using the same Bible every time. Okay, so if we would, let's turn in our Bibles to Second Chronicles, not Corinthians, sorry. Second Chronicles chapter 6. And of course, you know I use the King James Bible. That's the one that I trust the most. Okay, so here we go. And the man that we will be listening to is off of the YouVersion app. For the Old Testament, I really like using him just because he knows how to pronounce all these words. And then I'll stop and give my comment. So here we go. Second Chronicles 6. Then said Solomon, the Lord hath said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. But I have built an house of habitation for thee, and a place for thy dwelling forever. Oh. And the king turned his face, and blessed the whole congregation of Israel. And all the congregation of Israel stood, and he Respect. said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who hath with his hands fulfilled that which he spake with his mouth to my father David, saying, Since the day that I brought forth my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city among all the tribes of Israel. To he still honored David, didn't he, Brad? That my name might be there. Neither chose I any man to be a ruler over my people Israel. But I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name might be there, and have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David my father to build an house for the... All right, let me pause here. 
Do you see what he's doing? Okay, we are at the point now of dedicating the temple. So what he's doing is he's reminding the Israelites. He's reminding them of what happened in times past and what brought this forward. Okay, let's look at it like in the situation of this promise that God gave me of a radio station in Nashville. When that time comes, when it comes to fruition, I will remind the bride of what happened to bring this promise in. That's what Solomon is saying here. He is reminding the Israelites, this is what happened to my father. This is what happened and this is what happened. And then also, uh, what was that I was going to say? Oh, so just as whenever we're in repentance to God and we bring up our sins, God wants us to be honest Okay, he wants us to be honest before him. God, our country has done this. Not a blanket, but be honest with him. I, we've done this, Lord. We've done this. And what comes with repentance, which is what I've been trying to tell you about all these other superstars out here getting saved. What comes, or saying that they're saved. What comes with salvation? Repentance. What comes with repentance? Turning. Not doing it anymore. Okay, so the same with your repentance, repeat it. The same with the blessing, repeat the blessing. Here we go. In the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, for as much as it Verse was in eight. thine heart to build a house for my name, thou didst dwell in that it was in thine heart. Notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son, which shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house for my name. The Lord therefore hath performed his word that he hath spoken. For I am risen up in the room of David my father, and have set on the throne of Israel, as the Lord promised, and have built the house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And in it... Pause. Okay, what is it that Solomon is doing right here, Brian? What is it that he's doing? He is giving God the glory. He's giving God the glory for his story. He's saying, God has done all this, not me, even though I'm the king, even though I have all of this. God did it all. Let's continue. Have I put the ark, wherein is the covenant of the Lord, that he made with the children of Israel? And he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of Verse the congregation of Israel. And spread forth his hands. For Solomon had made a brazen scaffold of five cubits long, and five cubits broad, and three cubits high, and had set it in the midst of the court, and upon it he stood, and kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel. Oh, and spread forth his hands. He honored, he humbled said, himself. O Lord God of Israel. There is no God like thee in the heavens. Giving God the glory, come on now. Which keepest covenant and showest mercy unto yes. thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. Thou which hast kept with thy servant David my father that which thou hast promised him, and spakest with thy mouth, and hast fulfilled it with thine hand, as it is this day. Still honoring now, David. O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father that which thou hast promised him, saying, there shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel. 
yet so that thy children take heed to their way to walk in my law, as thou hast walked before me. Oh. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, this is an awesome moment. that thy word be verified, which thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. God is so great. That's what he's saying. Built. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee, that thine eyes... Pause. Look at how Solomon... I mean, think about how much wisdom is this. You know, he asked God for wisdom. The Lord has fulfilled his promise. Although the Lord gave him the plan, Solomon was the creator of this temple, okay? The Lord gave him the plan. When it come time for this to come to pass and for, for him to have the limelight and to come before people, what did he do? He went low. He got down and he gave God all the glory. He said, you are the king. You are everything. You did this. It wasn't of me. It was of you. Even though, Brad, he was wealthy. I mean, take the picture of what's happening today. It's a vast difference. He was wealthy. He had the right because his father was king. He was a modern day Andrew, you know, the princes over there in Europe. He's the modern day. So, he should have even more right to brag. But what did he do? He got on his knees and he humbled himself. And he gave God all the glory for doing this. I think this is a big lesson for us, Brad, about pride. May be open upon this house day and night, upon the place whereof thou hast said that thou wouldst put thy name there, to hearken unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward this place. Hearken therefore unto the supplications of thy servant and of thy people Israel. Verse 21. Which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven. And when thou hearest, forgive. Wow. If a man sin against his neighbor. Wow. Pause. Pause, pause, pause. What is Solomon saying? Lord, you're the one that gave us the creative idea and the plan to make this temple. The temple was finished. God gave him the best of everything, remember? Now that the time has come, all of Israel is gathered. He could have gotten so prideful. He could have said, I did all this. I'm the greatest creator there ever was. But what did Solomon do? He said, he got down on his knees and said, God, you have done all this. And then not only does he, he starts out giving God, well, first he starts out reminding God. This is a good form for prayer, but... He started out reminding God of what he had done for him and his father in times past. Then he humbles himself and says, you are so great, you are so holy, you are so worthy. And then what does he do, Brad? He spends his time on his knees in intercession for the people that will be coming to the temple. That's what he's doing right here in verse 21. He's saying, Lord, all these people that come here to the temple... And they are asking you to help them, Lord. Go before them. Because look what he says right here. Hearken unto the prayer of your servant as they pray in this place. 
Hearken therefore unto the supplications of your servant and of thy people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven, when you hear them and forgive. So what is he doing? He is asking God, you're the one that designed this temple. You're the one that wants this relationship with people. So Lord, please forgive them when they come here. Do this. If a man sins against his neighbor and an oath be laid on him to make him swear and the oath come before the altar in this house. So now we're about to hear he's going to get very specific about sin. So let's let's hear with our spiritual ears what he is. To, this is him and God. This is the God that built the temple according to the plans and the precepts of God. So let's hear what is he saying to God on behalf of the people. Here we go. And now we are in verse 22. Him to make him swear, and the oath come before thine altar in this house. Then hear thou from heaven, and do, and judge thy servants, by requiting the wicked, by recompensing his way upon his own head. And there it goes again, the reversing the curse. By giving him according to his righteousness. And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee, and shall return and confess thy name, and pray, and make supplication before thee in this house. Then hear thou from the heavens. There you go. And forgive the sin of thy Repentance Israel, again. And bring them again unto the land which thou Let me pause to them. Repentance again. Okay, because it says, um, If thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, because... They have sinned against thee. Sin opens the door. That's why I was telling you, Bribe, whenever we get wreaked with sickness, chaos, or whatever, the first thing we should do is ask God, have we opened a door? Because since this new teaching is out there that sin is not real, sin does not affect you, Jesus died on the cross, so he took care of all the sin that will ever happen to you. I mean, look how deceptive that is. That would not apply back then, and it surely wouldn't apply today. But he says here, Because they have sinned against thee, which means they have opened the door, and shall return, think about our nation, if we return to God and confess your name, which means be honest with you, Lord, putting you in your place, and pray and make supplication before thee, in this house. Let's continue. This is good stuff. And to their fathers. When the heaven is shut up. And there is no rain. Because they have sinned against thee. Consequences of sin. And confess thy name. And turn from their sin. And turn. And afflict them. Then hear thou from heaven. And forgive the sin of thy servants. And of They've thy got to Israel, turn. When thou hast taught them the good way. Wherein they should walk. And send rain upon thy land, which thou hast given unto thy people for an inheritance. If there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all thy people Israel, when everyone shall know his own sword, his own grief, and shall spread forth his hands in this house. 
Then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place. Pause. When he says right here in verse 29, when everyone shall know his own sore. What does that mean? They shall know the affliction they have brought upon themselves. They know the sin that opened the door. See, that still applies today. God wants us to be real with him. We've got to say, Lord, forgive me for, and say it. Because he wants to know, do you hear what you have done? Do you recognize the sin of what you have done? I remember, I'm going to pause here. Let me pause this. I was at a lake one day. And this was almost seven years ago when my journey first began full time. And I was in the woods. No, I wasn't in the woods. The Lord told me to go to a lake. I was in the car. I was homeless. And I was in a lake. And the Lord said, I want you to write down every person you've ever slept with. And I was like, what? And see, this was my first summer. Uh, I called it my summer of cleansing because he was always dealing with me about my sins. He was always addressing what I did in the past. And people thought I was crazy. This was back in the summer of 2013. They thought I was crazy. God would not be bringing your sins back. I said, he is with me. And he's having me deal with it. And now I see why. Because now with me being in full-time ministry, I have to be able to not have that there blocking, you know, what God wants to do. He has to get all that junk out. If we don't deal with it, it sits there and festers. So anyways, he told me at this lake, he said, I want you to write down every person you slept with. And I was like, oh, so here's the thing, Brad. You know, most of you have read my book and you understand the trauma that I went through as a kid and how the devil uh, took me into perversion. And so that's just the way that I understood love, not making excuses for sin. But I did a lot of things I'm not proud of. And now I'm sitting there at the lake, just me and my precious Jesus, me and my holy God that I am falling so much in love with. And now I'm having to face my sin when it's just me and him. There's nobody else around but just me and him. And I'm looking at these names and I'm realizing you allowed that person to come in your temple. You allowed them to violate your temple. And so as I'm looking at my sin. And I'm facing what I did. When it's just me before God. In the throne room right here. You talking about a deep groaning of sorrow. Not condemnation. But a I see. I am seeing what I did. I am seeing the depravity of my fleshliness. I'm seeing the depravity that my sin has brought to my own temple and to my own self. And I am bawling, Brian. I am crying so hard at what I've done with these men and allowed them to just have their way with, you know, and me. It was the way that I understood how love was. You know, since that's just the way it was since I was a kid. But when I'm before God, see, your own justification will only get you so far. But you get in that prayer closet and you get honest before God and you see 
the transgressions in the bigger picture of what you have done to your temple that God paid a price for and he owns it, not you. I am sitting there weeping. I am just, I, Lord, please forgive me. I forgive this man. I forgive me for doing this. I'm asking you to forgive me, and I release this man. I break every soul tie. And the Lord was having me deal with these soul ties with all these men. And so I'm out there dealing with this depravity that I've done to myself. And, you know, I didn't realize that day what I was doing. But being honest with God about what I have done in my lifetime, you know, and now that I'm thinking about it, if I would not have done that probably in a true honesty before God, I may be exposed to a greater level down the road because I was not honest with him to begin with. In other words, this thing in my heart that caused me to do all these terrible fleshly uh, reactions had to be dealt with, you know, or it will come back later and haunt me. Do you see what I mean? So when we consider what they did here, that is God's heart. I hate to break it to all of you that have these teachers telling you that you can just sin and do what you want because Jesus already died for it and he understands. Sin will take you out. It is crouching at the door, take, wanting to take you out. This is why we have to be very careful about who we partner with and what they're attached to. <laughs> Anyways, let's continue here. And forgive. We're in verse 30, chapter verse 30. All his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men, that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways. Fear thee. So long as they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. Moreover, Concerning the stranger, which is not of thy people Israel, but is come from a far country for thy great name's sake, and thy mighty hand, and thy stretched out arm, if they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, wow. and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name, and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. If thy people go out to war against their enemies, by the way that thou shalt send them, and they pray unto thee toward this city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is Pause, I just had a revelation, Brian. Now I know why they are using this as this verse or as this point of pulling together, pulling together everybody as one to know thy name. Remember when we was uh, looking the other day at the Kairos 2017 when all of these big name evangelicals come together with the Pope and they did away with the uh, Protestant Reformation and now there's there's not a line between the Catholics and the Protestants they're as one but what they've done is done that with the entire planet with the coexisting and it says on their website that they may know his name okay so now that I'm looking at this verse let's look at it because it says 
Moreover, in verse 32, it says, Moreover, concerning the stranger, which is not of thy people Israel, but is come from a far country, for thy great name's sake, and thy mighty hand, and has stretched out arm, if they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calls these for, that all people of the earth may know your name, and fear you, as does thy people Israel, and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. Now, where that is perverted in today's time is, what is the scriptures previous to that? The scriptures previous to that says, you got to turn. You got to repent and turn. You cannot continue in your false religion and try to say that you're as one with the true Jesus. You can't do that. God does not mix. It's all in the Bible. He does not mix. You have to renounce your idols and come over. You can't keep your idols and your mammon and your, your servanthood here and come over here and blend them. It doesn't work that way. He does with the false Jesus. This false New Age Jesus, this one world ecumenical Jesus, it does work over there. But the true Jesus of the Bible, no. All right, let's continue. No man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity. All right, let me pause and let me go back a little bit. Let's go back to 33, okay? Verse all 33. All people of the earth may know thy name and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. If thy people go out to war against their enemies, by the way that thou shalt send them, and they pray unto thee toward this city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee. Alright, pause. Is well, that tells me why they uh, can justify what they're doing with the wall. See, many of us cannot understand the Jewish people standing there at a wall and just praying. But in their mind, what they're thinking is they're praying towards where the temple was. And they still, because they're still stuck in the Old Testament, they have not accepted Jesus. So they don't understand this new covenant. They are still trying to go by what Solomon said. So that's probably, I mean, I'm not speaking for the Jews. I'm just saying, you know, what I'm thinking as I'm reading this. So let's continue. No man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dealt wickedly. They're honest and with they God. They return to thee with all their heart. And they return with all their, their heart. In the land of their and captivity, they're so. Whether they have carried them captives, and pray toward their land which thou gavest unto their fathers, and toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer 
and their supplications. They have to repent, be honest with God. And forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. That was the prerequisite. Now, my God, let, I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou, and the ark of thy strength, let thy priests, O this Lord prayer God, is awesome, bride. salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. He is still honoring David. Isn't that amazing? Chapter 7, bride. This is so good. Second Chronicles 7. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down <laughs> and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice. Yes, Lord! And the glory of the Lord filled the house. He filled the house again. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. <laughs> Do it again, and Lord. The children of Israel saw how the fire came down <laughs> and the glory of the Lord upon the house. They bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement. Bam in your face, and devil. And praised the Lord, saying, For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. What did they do, bride, when the glory came? Went down. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20,000 oxen and 120,000 Don't that fire you up? The people dedicated the house of God. Pause. The fire of God did not come until what, bride? Until what? The repentance and the turning. They have to turn from their idols. They had to turn in the proper way. Lord, let your fire fall. Yes, Lord. This is so exciting, Brad. All right, here we go. First, all right, this is coming to my spirit right now. Hallelujah. Okay, you take Solomon, uh, who had his own identity and his own calling from God. He didn't do away with David, but he didn't want to be in an, a, a silhouette of David. He could have been. He's a royalty. He's the king's son. Instead, what did he do, Brad? He asked God, show me the way you have for me. And then God does, gives him wisdom. And now Solomon is in his own identity, his own deal with the Lord. But he still honored David. Now that he's in his own deal, God gives him the blueprint. He obeyed the Lord when other people don't understand. He built the temple precisely. He built the temple precisely the way God told him to. But he kept himself clean. How did he keep himself clean? Repentance. Repentance and turning. And the people that were a part of building the temple were clean. He wouldn't allow people coming in mixing stuff. Now that it's all said and done, now that the temple is being dedicated today, he just turns around and he reminds God of what he did. He tells all the children of Israel what God did from the past all the way up to this point. Then he lifts up the name of God and he's telling God how wonderful he is. And then... He gets on his face and he humbles himself. And he, he prays on behalf of the other people that will be coming to the temple. And now, look what happened, Brad. 
After he finishes his prayer, the fire of God come from heaven. God blessed him. God showed himself worthy. He, he came down with the fire. He filled the temple with his glory. I mean, can you imagine? And what was the people's reaction, Brad? Did the people get all prideful and, and rise up in pride? No, 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 no. The fear of the Lord came on the people and they went low. They bowed down. Yes, they did. When God was showing out. Isn't this exciting? All right, let's continue. Waited on their offices. The Levites We're in chapter 7, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Which David the king had made to praise the Lord. Verse 6, verse 6. endureth forever. When David praised by their ministry, and the priests sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood. Moreover, Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings, because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings wow. and the meat offerings wow. and the fat. Also, at the same time Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great congregation from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days, and the feast seven days. And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry and hard for the goodness that the Lord had shown unto David. Oh, so they Solomon, celebrated. And to Israel, his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord, and in his own house, he prosperously effected. Yes. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, oh. and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. That's awesome. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, come on now, humble themselves yes. and pray and seek my face and, and turn from their wicked ways, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, then and will forgive their sin, yes, and will heal their land, yes. That's the only way, only way. Mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Oh. For now have I chosen and... I've got to pause here a minute. How awesome is it for God to come down and talk to this king? How awesome is that? Why did God talk to the king? Because the king humbled himself. The king put God in his proper place. The king honored God and honored his correct order. This is very important, Brad, because we have all this going on with pride today and all this going on with stepping out of the proper order of God. It is just not of God. God is holy. Just like I did that post yesterday with <clears throat> my apartment leaving D.C. God does everything in decency and in order. And let's continue here. Sanctify this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me, as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, 
and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments. Yep, ye got to do his commandments. And will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as then, I covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if ye turn away and pause, then, okay, it's saying then he will do this. Then, because you have to turn from your wicked ways. Okay, you're saying you don't hear sound. Let me try it here. But he's saying then you have to turn in order for you to be able to do this. I can't go in here. Would y'all watch and let me know that you can hear me or not? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, I would hate it if I've said, okay, you can hear me. Thank you, Deborah. Because now I'm all stressing over here. Okay, now I'm off track. Lord, help me to get back on track. Okay. Oh, but what I was saying, though, is that then, then, Brian, there is stipulations to everything. There is consequences to everything. There is consequences to blessings, and there is consequences to sin. You reap what you sow. There's a reason God says, touch not the unclean thing. And the reason is, is because he wants us to not be cursed by what we are touching. He wants us to have a better outcome. But if we do these things, okay, and a lot of times people will do these things just because they want to be a part of the big crowd. Now you can't hear me. Oh, what the world. I can still hear. Okay, thank you, Vicky. Okay, so let's continue here. Forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which yep. I have given them, and this house, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it, so that he shall say, why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered, because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, right which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. Let me pause right here, okay? This deal that I posted on there this morning about Kanye, that is partnering with other gods because of his partnership that he has with Beelzebub, which he just did the picture on Halloween, and, and the deal with him with the Illuminati and him calling himself God and all this. All of this has not been dealt with, people. It has not been dealt with. 
Do you think God would ever bless that? What kind of Bible are we reading? I mean, this is total insanity. And to see the big preachers across the country endorse this is, is to me, just exposure of all get out. It's the exposure of the false prophets. He's, we see the word of God, people. We see it right here, how God feels about sin, how he feels about other idols. Remember, I have told you time and time again, what is the first thing that God dealt with me about seven years ago when he took me into full-time ministry? What is the first thing he dealt with me about? The first thing he dealt about with me about is, do you love me more than anything else? Let me strip you. Let me take away everything and see where you stand. God is jealous for you. Remember years ago when he told me I couldn't get married? After me and the kid's father divorced, he said, I want you all to myself because I'm a jealous God. And I said, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I am too young. I am 25 years old. And I will, I will, I will have a husband. I was codependent upon men. I wanted what I wanted. My idol was that. My idol was I didn't want to be alone. I was too codependent. I had to have something tangible. I couldn't just trust in some God that I can't touch or feel or have this, you know, intimate relationship with. So I wanted what I wanted, okay? That was my God. God was dealing with me. See, he was plucking that up. What was standing between me and him. He will not have it. He wants you all to himself. So it took me five marriages later, three to the same man, but five marriages later for me to finally surrender. Here I was, 32 years old, and been married six times because I wanted what I wanted. And God smacked me again and said, you know, to come into my senses, I said, I want you all to myself because I'm a jealous God. He had to know, do you love me before you love any of these other men out here? Do you love me before you love the idea of marriage? Do you love me before you love the idea of the image of, you know what I mean? Like, do you love me more than that? So when I surrendered, I was 32 years old or 31. And I said, okay, Lord, you know, I don't know how to be that woman. I only know how to be this woman. Which, that was the way that I identified with love, see. I said, you know, I'm addicted. So, uh, you know, I was being honest with him. Can you take this out of my heart? How are you going to help me to over? This was an idol. I didn't know how to overcome this idol. This thing had a hold of my heart since I was a kid. So, the next week I ended up getting baptized and I married the Lord. I said, okay, I will marry you then. If you want to be my husband, I will do that. But I don't know how you're going to take this out of my heart. I married him. 
I went and got baptized, wore a white dress, told the church what I had done, and how I had been in sin all them years because I did not want God to have all of me. I wanted what I wanted. But today, I don't know how I'm going to be different, but I'm giving him all of it. That was 19 years ago, Brad. I'm still standing. The Lord has still been my husband. He has showed me he is everything I ever desired and wanted. I had to get rid of that idol. That was an idol. And he tested me. And guess what he did? He sent me to Bible college. And then nine months later, he comes to me in a dream on Christmas morning. And he says, uh, well, a couple of weeks before he said, because you gave up your house and car for me, I'm going to give you a better house and a car than you could ever imagine. I was like, okay, thank you. And then he confirmed it that night. Okay, so two weeks later is Christmas morning. He wakes me up and he says, I got a present for you. I'm like, oh yeah, what? And he said, because by this time, Brian, he was paying for everything. He was the man. The Lord had showed me when I went to Bible college that he was everything I need. I did not need a man. I did not need security. I did not need this. I did not need that. All I needed was him. He was everything, the provider and everything, my lover, my best friend, the one I trust in, blah, blah, blah. So he wakes me up on Christmas and he says, uh, he says, I have a present for you. I said, oh yeah, what? And he said, I'm going to let you get married again. And I got so mad. My first reaction is I was so mad after me fighting him 12 years over this. I said, what? After all that time, you're going to let me get married again? Why would you do that? And he said, you have to love me before you can ever love a man. Your priorities were in the wrong place. And instantly I repented. Lord, please forgive me. I had an idol in my heart. I mean, he exposed my heart to me. So... 19 years later, I'm still single. The husband has not come. But guess what? In the last three or four years, he's been telling me he's coming. So the promise is coming. But the point that I'm trying to make is not all that. The point that I'm trying to make is this. God is jealous for you. And he wants to know that you have no other idols before him. And that is what happened here. And that's why I'm telling you, all this mess that's going on out here at Kanye and all that, God is nowhere to be found. He will not have any other gods before him. There's nobody that's mightier or anything else like that. So let's continue. All right, now we're on chapter 8. This is so good today. All right, let's continue. We're in the King James Version. Chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. This is so good, Brad. We are learning so much. Eight. And it came to pass at the end of twenty years, wherein Solomon had built the house of the Lord in his own house, that the cities which Huram had restored to Solomon, Solomon built them. Wow. And the children of Israel to dwell there. And Solomon Wouldn't you have loved to live in those days, Brad? And he built Tadmor in the wilderness, and all the store cities which he built in Hamath. 
Also he built Beth Horon, the upper, and Beth Horon, the nether, fenced cities with walls, gates, and bars. Wow. And Balath, and all the store cities that Solomon had, and all the chariot cities, and the cities of the horsemen, and all that Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, and in Lebanon, and throughout all the land of his dominion. Wow. As for all the people that were left of the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all the not of Israel, but of their children who were left after them in the land, whom the children of Israel consumed not, them did Solomon make to pay tribute until this day. But of the children of Israel did Solomon make no servants for his work, but they were men of war, and chief of his captains, and captains of his chariots and horsemen. And these were the chief of King Solomon's officers, even 250. So he had the best on his team. And Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh out of the city of David unto the house that he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places are holy. What? Unto the ark of the Lord hath come. Wow. Then Solomon offered burnt offerings unto the Lord on the altar of the Lord which he had built before the porch, even after a certain rate every day, offering according to the commandment of Moses on the Sabbaths and on the new moons and on the solemn feasts three times in the year, even in the feast of unleavened bread and in the feast of weeks and in the feast of tabernacles. And he appointed according to the order of David his father the courses of the priests to their service and the Levites to their charges to praise and minister before the priests as the duty of every day required. Wow. Waters also by their courses at every gate, for so had David the man of God commanded. And they departed not from the commandments of the king unto the priests and Levites concerning any matter or concerning the treasures. Now all the work of Solomon was prepared unto the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord and until it was finished. So the house of the Lord was perfected. Aww. Then went Solomon to Ezion-Geber and to Eloth at the seaside in the land of Edom. And Uram sent him by the hands of his servants' ships and servants that had knowledge of the sea. And they went with the servants of Solomon to Ophir and took thence 450 talents of gold and brought them to King Solomon. You know what this reminds me of, Bryden? I know this sounds weird but it is what it is and it is what happened when i went to washington remember when i went to washington when i first got there the walkaway movement the lgbt was trying to come in on president trump and they threatened him and the republican party and they said if you do not let us in 2020 i mean if you do not let us in the republican party and take up our platform basically uh we're not going to vote for you in 2020 so the Lord gives me a dream, tells me to go to the White House and confront this demon that's trying to move in on President Trump, trying to move in on the Republicans. And so I go there in front of like 500 people, Brad. It was the scariest thing ever. <laughs> Usually there's only 10 people out there, but the day that God made me go out there and say this speech publicly with a big megaphone and everything, there was like 500 people out there, and I was like, I walked up and I saw him and I was like, Lord, you're going to have to clothe me. I have to be hid right now. This is so scary. But I got out there and I read the speech that God gave me in that dream. And God told me to tell President Trump publicly 
If you partner with this LGBT spirit, if you go down this road, they will bring judgment to this nation so fast because God will not touch that and he will not bless that. So we want the country to be blessed. You're going to have to detach from this spirit. Don't do all that. So six months later, he does. Six months later, they all do. So then all summer, that's what they're doing is they're securing this partnership for his 2020 campaign. But now I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Like how God had that dealt with because he cannot partner with that. Because we look, he said, uh... These were the chief. And Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh, the seed of David. Okay, so he was saying here, My wife shall dwell in the house of David, shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places are holy, whereunto the ark of the Lord had come. Then Solomon offered burnt offerings, even to a certain rate every day, offering according to the commandment of Moses on the Sabbath. And he appointed according to the order of the David his father and the courses of the priests to their service, to the Levites their charges to praise and minister before the priest as the duty of every day required the porters also by their courses of every gate for so had David the man of God commanded and they departed not from the commandments of the king of the priests and Levites concerning any matter or concerning the treasuries now all the work of Solomon was prepared until this day of the foundation of the Lord and until it was finished so the house of the Lord was perfected and then go down here it says and Hiram sent by the hands of the servant ships and servants that have knowledge of the sea. So they went with the servants so for 400. But the point that I was trying to make is, if a country decides to do that, God's judgment will come. God cannot partner with uh, perversion. He cannot do it. Just like worshiping other gods, God cannot do it. Oh, I know why I was telling you that. So he was telling them that as long as they did not do this, that it would, it would have the hand of God protecting Israel. When we open the door to sin like this, it opens the door up to all types of things where the country can be taken over, where the blessings of God will be removed, and what not. Now let's go to chapter 9. 2 Chronicles chapter 9. Second Chronicles 9 And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem, with a very great company, and camels that bear spices, and gold in abundance, and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions, and there was nothing hid from Solomon which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, his cupbearers also in their apparel, in other words, the fame of it, he went up into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. What? And she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in mine own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Albeit. I believed not their words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, 
the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me for thou exceedest the fame that i heard she loved his fame happy are thy men and happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom Ooh, she's building him up Bless ain't she Lord thy god which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne to be king for the lord thy god because thy god loved israel to establish them forever therefore made he thee king over them to do judgment and justice and she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices great abundance and precious stones neither was there any such spice as the queen of sheba gave king solomon wow and the servants also of huram and the servants of solomon which brought gold from ophir brought algum trees and precious stones and the king made of the algum trees terraces to the house of the lord and to the king's palace i bet that was beautiful don't you think brass and there were none such seen before in the land of judah and king solomon gave to the queen of sheba all her desire whatsoever she asked oh lord that which she had brought unto the king so she turned and went away to her own land she and her servants now the weight of gold that came to solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold wow beside that which chapmen and merchants brought and all the kings of arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to solomon and king solomon made 200 targets of beaten gold 600 shekels of beaten gold went to one target and 300 shields made he of beaten gold 300 shekels of gold went to one shield and the king put them in the house of the forest of lebanon moreover the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold and there were six steps to the throne with a footstool of gold which were fastened to the throne and stays on each side of the city can you place, imagine what this looks like standing by the stage wow and 12 lines stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps there was not the like made in any kingdom and all the drinking vessels of king solomon were of gold and all the vessels of the house of the forest of lebanon were of pure gold wow and were of silver it was not anything accounted of in the days of solomon wow it's amazing the ships went to tarshish with the servants of huram every three years once came the ships of tarshish bringing gold and silver ivory and apes and peacocks and king solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom Wow. Let me pause something. Let me pause something. Okay, it says Solomon had all this money, right? Solomon had all this fame. Solomon had all this money. Solomon had all this. Everything was solid gold. I mean, like he had the best of everything. And as it's saying in the word here, people from everywhere come to see Solomon. But why did Solomon have this? Did Solomon have this because he said he was so great? Did he have this because of his own doing? No. Even when he dedicated the temple after he finished the great work, he got on his face and praised God and lifted up the name of God in front of all of Israel. He put God in his place. That is the only reason because he humbled himself. Did God make him so great because his heart was humbled? Bride, I submit to you, that is the heart of God. The devil is the one that wants to take you to the high place 
and elevate you and tell you how great you are and convince you that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. That is a sure sign of death. Why? Because, uh, well, one example is when I went to Washington, the Lord told me in a dream before I went, he said, when you get to Washington, don't let people get up there and be puffing you up. Don't accept the praise of man. When people do that, bride, it puts you in such a dangerous position because pride will take you completely out. Pride is a spirit of Leviathan. You know, pride, think of it like this, is a big fat snake that wraps around a human and it just squeezes them the more that they puff themselves up the more that they put their self as God it's really sad when you see what I'm seeing right now in the spirit because the spirit of Leviathan even Dr. Morris said this when people get tattoos that's the spirit of Leviathan on them because they just constantly get caught up in pride because they want more, more tattoos, more tattoos, and then they want to show them off to everybody. That's all pride. Pride is like a Leviathan spirit that just constantly just chokes the life right of you and just puffs that old head up and puffs that old mind up that I'm all this and a bag of chips and I have done this and I have this title and I have all this education and I'm so great because I'm in the White House and I'm so great because I'm this and I've done this and this and this. That is the spirit of Leviathan just doing this and choking the literal life. We cannot do that. We have to get on our face and humble ourselves and not allow people to puff us up. Because it puts us in a terrible position with God. Remember, Bribe, when I told you the story that the time that I took the glory from God, God told me he could have killed me. He could have killed me. He killed people over pride. Did you know that? We need to pray, actually, now that I'm thinking of this, we need to pray for Kanye and for the president, as a matter of fact, that they would be... Uh, that they would be humbled. You know, that they would humble themselves so that spirit of Leviathan doesn't take them out with that pride. Because pride is a killer. You look at uh, the king in uh, the book of Acts chapter 14. When he had so much pride, he was, he was killed over dead right then. Mm -mm. But going back to me when I got in trouble by God about pride is... Um, when I was in Bible college, and I told you the story many times of how uh, Pastor Parsley tried to call me on the platform to give glory to God for what he did to bring me to Bible college. I mean, it really was just straight out miracles. It was great what God did. But because I had on this ugly dress that showed my fat, which usually I don't wear clothes like that. I hide it, you know. <laughs> but... I had this dress on because usually I wear a choir robe and I hide, I hide it. But because it was not hid and I was exposed in front of everyone, I was not going to go up there in a million platform, you know, in front of millions of people. I was so embarrassed. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. 
the vanity on my life was exposed right there in front of everybody when I was being bragged on by Pastor Parsley about how great I was, see. I couldn't go up there because my image was so terrible. So years later, seven years later, I'm in the prayer closet in the woods, and God is exposing this to me about my vanity. And I'm like, how am I vain? Which is pride. And he brought that back up, what I did to Pastor Parsley. And I said, but my dress was so ugly, Lord. I, I couldn't, I didn't want people all over the world to see all me. And he said, your image was more important than me. It was more important than what I did. Your glory was more important than my glory. You didn't give me the glory. I could have killed you for that. I've killed kings over that. So needless to say, when God exposed my heart, I had to repent so great. I had to repent very much so. And that's what is happening here. The only reason that Solomon and his kingdom was blessed so much was because of his humbleness. It was because of him giving God the glory and letting everybody know where his wisdom came from. It was not him. All right, let's continue. We are in Second Chronicles chapter 9. Wisdom that God had put in his heart. See? And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver and vessels of gold. Verse 24. Harness and spices, horses and mules, a rate year by year. And Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots, and 12,000 horsemen, whom he bestowed in the chariot cities, and with the king at Jerusalem. And he reigned over all the kings from the river, even unto the land of the Philistines, and to the border of Egypt. And the king made silver in Jerusalem as stones, and cedar trees made he as the sycamore trees that are in the low plains in abundance. And they brought unto Solomon horses out of Egypt, and out of all lands. Wow, the best of everything. And the rest of the acts of Solomon, first and last. Are they not written in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the prophecy of Ahijah the Shalonite, and in the visions of Edo the seer against Jeroboam the son of Nebat? And Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel forty years. And Solomon Prophetic slept with his fathers, and he was buried in the city of David his father. Oh, Solomon and died there. Okay, so now we're about to study Rehoboam. Well, Solomon lived a great life. Why did Solomon live such a great life? Because he humbled himself Second Chronicles before 10. God. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for to Shechem were all Israel come to make him king. And it came to pass, when Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who was in Egypt, whither he had fled from the presence of Solomon the king, heard it, that Jeroboam returned out of Egypt, and they sent and called him. So Jeroboam, and all Israel came and spake to Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore ease thou somewhat the grievous servitude of thy father, and his heavy yoke that he put upon us, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Come again unto me after three days. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men that had stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, saying, what counsel give ye me to return answer to this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou be kind to this people, and please them, and speak good words to them, they will be thy servants for ever. 
But he forsook the counsel which the old men gave him, and took counsel with the young men that were brought up with him. Now that'd preach about the old order and the new new order. What advice give ye that we may return answer to this people, which have spoken to me, saying, Ease somewhat the yoke that thy father did put upon us? And the young men that were brought up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou answer the people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it somewhat lighter for us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. For whereas my father put a heavy yoke upon you, I will put more to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king bade, saying, Come again to me on the third day. And the king answered them roughly. And King Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men. Oh, man, him too. And the of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add thereto. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So the king hearkened not unto the people. For the cause was of God, that the Lord might perform his word, wow. which he spake by the hand of Ahijah the Shalonite, to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And when all Israel saw that the king would not hearken unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? And we have none inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your tents, O Israel. And now, David, see to thine own house. So all Israel went to their tents. But as for the children of Israel that dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram that was over the tribute, and the children of Israel stoned him with stones. That wow. He but King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. Wow, they stoned his servant. And Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. Wow, they got mad at him. Wow. Second Chronicles 11. Wow. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he gathered of the house of Judah and Benjamin and hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men, which were warriors, to fight against Israel, that he might bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam. But the All this because he wouldn't listen to wise counsel. God saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel and Judah and Benjamin, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren. Return every man to his house, for this thing is done of me. And they obeyed the words of the Lord, and returned from going against Jeroboam. Wow. And Rehoboam dwelt in Jerusalem, and built cities for defense in Judah. He built even Bethlehem, and Etam, and Tekoa. Oh, he built Bethlehem. And Shuko, and Adullam, and Gath, and Maresha, and Ziph. And Adoraim and Lachish and Azekah. See why I have him reading this. And Hebron, which are in Judah, All these names. And in Benjamin fenced cities. And he fortified the strongholds and put captains in them and store of victual and of oil and wine. And in every several city he put shields and spears and made them exceeding strong, having Judah and Benjamin on his side. And the priests and the Levites that when all Israel resorted to him out of all their coasts, 
of the Levites left their suburbs and their possession and came to Judah and Jerusalem. But Jeroboam and his sons had cast them off from executing the priest's office unto the Lord. And he ordained him priests for the high places and for the devils and for the calves which he had made. And after them, out of all the tribes of Israel, such as set their hearts to seek the Lord God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice unto the Lord God of their fathers. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah, and made Rehoboam the son of Solomon strong three years. For three years they walked in the way of David and Solomon. For three years. And Rehoboam took him Mahalath, the daughter of Jeremoth, the son of David, to wife, and Abihail, the daughter of Eliab, the son of Jesse which bare him children, Jeush, and Shamariah, and Zaham. And after her he took Makar, the daughter of Absalom, which bare him Abijah, and Atai, and Ziza, and Shelemeth. And Rehoboam loved Makar, the daughter of Absalom, above all his wives. And Look his at all them wives. For he took eighteen wives, and threescore concubines. Eighteen. And begat twenty and eight sons, and threescore daughters. And Rehoboam made Abijah, the son of Makar, the chief, to be ruler among his brethren, for he thought to make him king. And he dealt wisely, and dispersed of all his children throughout all the countries of Judah and Benjamin unto every fenced city. And he gave them victual in abundance, and he desired many wives. Well, if I remember correctly, O Solomon... Solomon had like a thousand wives or something, didn't he? All right, well, Brian, that ends it. Can you believe it? I thought we had a couple more chapters to go, but chapter 11 uh, officially ended this of today. So what did we learn today? We learned basically the same thing we learned yesterday, that uh, when they kept the proper order of God, when they repented, when they went low, when they were honest with God, God moved. This is when the fire hit the temple. This is when God filled the temple. Repentance, turning, and humbleness. And giving God the glory and not taking the glory for yourself. And you know what? God is still the same today. So I pray that this has blessed you, bride. And I will see you tomorrow. What's tomorrow? Sunday. I won't see you tomorrow. No, it's today, Friday. I've lost my time. It is Friday. So, yes, Saturday, I will see you tomorrow with the next set of Second uh, Chronicles. But uh, on Sunday, I probably will not be here, and we will pick this back up on Monday. Now, can you believe that Thanksgiving is next week? I am very sad. I won't be able to be with my family for Thanksgiving, but, you know... Um, Next year, maybe I will be able to. So enjoy it. If you're able to be with your family, enjoy the time with your family uh, this year for Thanksgiving. So thank you so much, Brian, for being with me today. And I pray uh, that as we are going through these Bible studies, that you compare them to the modern day situations that we have and the word of uh, God that shows us the heart of God. Remember, Brad, I, I told you before that this, the Bible, it tells you who God is. This is the Trinity. 
Why? Because the Old Testament shows you God the Father. It shows you his heart. Who is God the Father? He still exists, Brad. Even though we have Jesus, God the Father is still there. So the, it's very important that we understand the Old Testament because we understand sin. Once you understand sin and you understand the way God feels about it, you understand God's heart, even back then, Brad. God wanted them to be honest and to tell him the truth about what they have done and to deal with giving God the glory, putting him first. Remember, I did a whole study on judgment. I probably should post that again. I did a whole study on judgment and showed you why God committed judgment and what did he do? Why did he commit the judgment? Because God is holy. Judgment is his mercy. It's not the way people are saying it. Judgment is his mercy. All judgment is is God just pulling his hand back and putting you over to the devil for a while. Okay, you think you're better than me. You think you're all that in a bag of chips. Let me remove my hand, let you get whipped a little bit and see what you think then. And that's exactly, we learn in the word of God, that's exactly what happens to the children of Israel. So, I hope that this has showed you why we need to understand the Old Testament because we understand the heart of God. Then Jesus is the middle. Jesus is the son. Jesus came to the earth revealed so that he can be the sacrifice that took care of the sin. The way that, as we're learning now about the temple, you have all the different ways that you sacrifice for sin. Because God is serious about it. Sin will take you out. It will destroy you. So Jesus came so that he is now the mediator between us and God. He is the one that died. He was the perfect lamb. So now when we pray, we don't pray to Mary. We pray to Jesus. That's why we say, in the name of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to give us grace that where we can sin. No, Jesus come to give us the grace to be able to do what we need to do. Okay, so when Jesus left, Jesus told us, I have to leave so that the Holy Ghost can come. The last part of the Trinity to be revealed. We are in the grade of the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. So when he said when he leaves, the Holy Ghost is going to come down with fire and fill us with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that's what happened. When Jesus came, when the Holy Ghost came, he filled them all in this room with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And then, and then, they were able to walk out in the power of God, just like the prophets in the days of old, Walking in signs, miracles, and wonders because they had the fire of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. So, the last part of the Bible is the revelation of the Holy Ghost. We, believe this or not, Bride, is the generation that's closing out the Bible. We are the last generation to reveal God. We are the ones with the Holy Ghost as our superpower. That's what I tell children. The Holy Ghost is on the inside of you and you are a modern day superpower because the holy ghost is the one giving you the instructions he's your guide he's going to tell you what to do when to do how to do and why to do and to repent about what you did okay so when this book is done which is any day now the end is here the antichrist is coming he's going to set up his kingdom which they've already got it set up 
We're just waiting now for him to be revealed. So the Antichrist will be revealed. They will have everybody take a mark. And why is that, Brad? Now that I'm writing these books, it's all coming to a head in my heart about me understanding why God did the mark. Do you know why? The first part of tribulation is nothing but God's mercy. The two witnesses that are standing there with all the power saying, Repent, for the judgment of God has come. The glory of the Lord is coming, or whatever they're going to say. They will spew fire out of their mouth in Jerusalem. They'll be all over TV. That is one sign. The next sign of God's mercy is the uh, chip, because it forces people out of their stupor. You're either going to have to, okay, you won't serve me in everyday life because you don't want to have to give up your life to come over here. Well, I'm just going to give you a choice. It's going to be yes or no. Bam. You're either going to choose to serve the beast and be a part of the system and let them chip you and become man to machine and you just become a part of the vomit, or you're going to have to die. That is mercy. You may not see it as mercy, but it is. Because some people get so caught up in their stupidity, and not meaning that mean, but they get caught up in their way of thinking, their justification of their sin. So that's one way is they're going to be forced to make a decision. Then all of the other pestilence and sword and all the other judgments that's happening out there, the bowls and the trumpets and all this, is because God is trying every way he can to get people to turn. That's why the rapture is not going to happen, Brad, until the middle of tribulation. I, The Lord showed me this himself. We will go out before the wrath, which is the second half of tribulation. But the first half is the big test. Okay, the world is so wicked that this first half, the judgment has to come because you people of humanity are going to have to make a choice. So I'm going to send you all of these crazy things. If you're not going to turn for the mark, if you're not going to turn for the pestilence and sword, if you're not going to turn for my two witnesses, then you have went over to a reprobate mind. It's all his mercy. So when we leave and we stand on the sea of glass and we're clothed in our white garment, many of you watching may be martyred. When we come to that point, God goes in the temple and he hides in his own glory. There is a temple in heaven. He goes in the temple and he hides in his own glory and says, don't even come and get me until it's done. And then the second half, the wrath is going to be so terrible that the Bible says it will be blood up to the horse's bridle. So much death, destruction of utterness, you know, that's never been done before is what the Bible says. And then Jesus comes back on his white horse with his people with the battle of Armageddon. That's where he does away with all the evil, throws Satan in hell for a thousand years. Then we have the thousand year millennial reign where the temple that's in heaven will come down to the earth and Jesus' face will light the whole city. And then we will have a thousand years. So there it is in a short synopsis. But this... We're the generation that's closing out. We are in the book of Revelation. We're in the end. So when we leave, when the rapture does happen, you know, many of us have different theories about when, but when it does and the Holy Ghost leaves, okay, which I believe again is the middle of tribulation. When the Holy Ghost leaves, 
these people that are left on the earth are just going to be utterly destroyed through the wrath and the terrible. They brought it on their self. They're so, they have taken the mark and they are so, and you know what's funny? It's not funny, but a weird type of justice of God is that the false prophet, which is the Pope, which is going to, which is the one pulling all these false religions together. Did you know that he's the one partnering with the beast and the dragon? And then uh, three and a half years into it, the dragon, the beast, is going to kill the false prophet? He won't even get to see the second half. He was just an instrument of utter evil. You know, so, anyways. All right, Bride, well, I'm going to get off here, and I pray that y'all have a blessed day. Uh, here is such a beautiful day. It is such a sunshine. You can see it out the window. It's so beautiful. God bless. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.